Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of some amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. My name is Lowell Applebaum. I'm the CEO of Vistacova, where we partner with organizations on facilitation, strategy, and governance. It's my pleasure to have with me today, Natasha Bethia Goodwin, MSCAE. Natasha is the Senior Director of Marketing and Membership at the, Internet, at the Information Technology Industry Council, where she sets the direction for ITI's brand awareness and membership activities. She's on a mission to assist young professionals in embracing their greatness by unlocking their sense of competence, confidence, and value in the workplace. Natasha's current career accomplishments include being selected as a 2018 40 Under 40, under 40 Award recipient by Association Forum, as well as a 2019 ASAE Diversity Executive Leadership Program Scholar. Natasha, welcome. Thank you, Lowell. I'm so glad to be here. And I want to thank you because I'm so honored to be considered an association rock star. Well, honor nothing. You are one. Uh, if you are not following Natasha on many social media platforms, well, I'll say is that not only is her work in the association world and for her organizations impressive, uh, I love watching how she speaks to, I, I mean, I think it's not just young professionals. I think it's a variety of audiences, mm -hmm. uh, right, about personal truths and about like very real and like how yeah. there's healthier ways to live life and uh, going to get it. And I can't wait to hear about like where you get inspiration for all of that. But I have, I have to ask our usual opening question because uh, on the occasion when my kids see that there's, you know, these, this type of series in a podcast, they always are interested in the first question, which is each of us bring to the table strengths. And so I would love to hear from you if you have a superpower, right? Somewhere that you bring extreme strength. What is the superpower that is Natasha? So I would say I am a networking legend. So mm -hmm. I love having the opportunity to meet new people, start new conversations. Um, Lowell, I feel like we met through a networking opportunity. Uh, you usually host a lot of association professionals at the Nats game. And mm -hmm. I came to one and met so many great people, including yourself. Um, so it's always a great opportunity for me to learn, to grow, and just to connect with other people. Um, so I do have an actual super power, superhero name, uh, and that's Networking Natasha. Networking Natasha, I like it. So Networking Natasha, uh, you know, I, I think that there's many people that find like worth and value and uh, deep relationships because of what associations offer. I'm wondering when you walk into a room and where you come to an event where you don't know as many people, as someone who's a networking guru, like how do you approach new situations where perhaps you don't yet have the depth of, you know, colleagues and friendships and you're walking in with some new faces there? Well, I love actually putting myself in uncomfortable <laughs> situations. Uh, I think from there you can really grow and thrive in your career when you do that. But I always make a goal. When I walk into a room, I'm going to be at least five people. Um, and it's not always, you know, just talking about work and what I do, but really letting people kind of dive into who I am and some of my interests. So mm -hmm. I'm just very, you know, open about who I am. And I just love connecting with people. But it's, it's always a goal of mine. And even when I'm talking to other young professionals, like I really push them to do the same because you never know who you can meet. So it's just always important to make sure you're networking 
and putting yourself out there so when you're not in the room people can speak highly of you because they know who you are well you are always warm and welcoming I, re I remember the first baseball game you came to in the brewery beforehand uh you do so well just hopping right from yes. people to people uh and easily fit do you think in your approach I mean let's first look at an organizational level you know our associations are built to associate right like this is, should be part and parcel of who they are Mm -hmm. Do you have any perspectives on how associations could better enable networking success for individuals? Is there any structures you wish you saw associations do that would help individuals make closer relationships? Um, I think the, you know, really powerful thing that associations do to bring people together is through volunteer opportunities. So I've served on a few different committees throughout ASAE and in some other organizations where I got to actually meet new people. Um, and we all kind of work towards a common goal. And just through that process, we learned about each other, um, you know, how we can support each other, not just in this opportunity, but just going um, through the future of our career. So I think just focused on volunteer uh, opportunities and just, you know, getting your members mobilized through collective efforts. You know, I love your goal of uh, meeting five new people or meeting five people every time you go in. Uh, and I've seen a few successful organizations that make that sort of goal explicit, right? When you, in the room, we want you to meet two to three people and inviting participants to to adopt, if you will, the same philosophy you inherently bring uh, as one of your super strengths. Have you, have you always been sort of ex, I don't want to assume that you're an extrovert, but like, right, loving the uncomfortable situations, like in going in and being hopefully like present and to open to new relationships is that always something that's been part of your personal makeup or is that something that developed uh, absolutely not <laughs> when I was younger I was super shy believe it or not um, my mom always had to make me like speak to people because I would just shy away I'm like no I'm just nervous of that it is it is hard to believe <laughs> um I think just uh maybe probably about like two to three years into my career um, I, you know, learned that I just need to kind of step outside of my comfort zone and allow people to get to know me. Um, and I always kind of believe it's not always what you know, but who you know. Yeah. Um, so you might not be the smartest one in the room, but if everybody knows you, they can tell you about opportunity, about, you know, some good news or something. So um, it's just something that grew and developed over time. And I've had a lot of mentors that kind of helped bring that out of me. Um, so and then my dad has played a major role in that because he's just very outgoing. Um, so I kind of strive to that as well, too. But it's, it's definitely something that takes work, takes practice. Um, but I think everyone can kind of bring that out of themselves. Did you start your career in the association world or where did you start and how did you find your way in? So right after college, um, I started working at a direct marketing firm and we did fundraising. Um, a lot of our uh, clients were associations. Uh, so I just spent a few years doing that. And then I got to the point of, actually, I want to see what it's like to be on the client side and actually work at an association. And my first association job was at the American Nurses Association. And that pretty much opened me up to this whole association world. Um, this is where I started getting involved in ASAE, meeting other um, association executives and realizing, wait, this is a career that I can grow into. You know, you uh, mentioned how mentors along the way 
uh, have sort of helped to guide. And I know that you're also a DELT scholar, and that's part of part of the program. How have you gone about finding mentors, and how do you sort of fine tune or right size the relationship with a mentor for the growth that you need? Yeah, so um, I I use my networking skills just organically to kind of point out people, and I do research on people too. <laughs> so I'll go on LinkedIn and look them up, and just you know see if they had a similar career path that I'm trying to move towards, and I'll reach out. Um, you know, it was kind of easier uh, before the pandemic when more things were in person because I knew I would see these these people in person, whether it be at a conference or an event. Um, But during the pandemic, I just had to kind of reach out to people on LinkedIn uh, and, you know, even just using my connections. Hey, I know, you know, so-and-so, can you put me in contact with this person? Uh, That's been very helpful. But of course, I I can't say enough about the DELP community. They have been very supportive in helping me build my confidence and really just know my value. And we're we're a family. And I always, you know, try to take that same energy when I interact with folks outside of DELP as well, because I, you know, have a lot of people that I mentor as well. So um, it's just very kind of important me building those connections and that family within DELP is top notch. You know, the the framing just gave that uh, you mentor others as well. You know, as I've uh, watched posts on social media, I actually feel like that's exactly what you're doing, right? Your posts of direction or inspiration feel exactly often with what a mentor would say to a mentee in terms of like giving instruction. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how you're utilizing those platforms to like bring truth, knowledge, like path? Like what's your intention there? And uh, what do you find rewarding about it? Yeah, so um, for those that don't know, I manage about like seven social media accounts, but I'm going to talk about one right now. <laughs> um, I have a social media account called Professionally Brilliant. So I'm on TikTok and I'm also on Instagram. And it was just pretty much a passionate, like a passion project for me uh, to be able to kind of talk about my experiences that I've been through navigating my career um, give advice and just kind of reach more people. And I know through social media, you can do that. Um, so I create reels, videos, tips, everything um, about career and what we go through. Uh, and it's, it's it's growing. And I, I get so excited every time I can like, you know, put videos together and put content out there because I I feel like it's also my second job as well because <laughs> it does yeah. take a lot of work doing it. But I just know by doing this, I'm making a difference. And that's really important for me. You know, there I feel like there's an intersect the question with professionally brilliant or any of the other more than a handful of sites, uh, as well as just your discussion of your strength in networking. You know, we're coming out of this time where, uh, as you referenced, like we were all isolated, like we were, uh, as, as we met right through networking opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really hard for those who enjoy being with other people to be in this isolated space. I'd love to hear in terms of like how during that time of like home isolation, was there any like new skill sets or approaches that you used to still form those networking relationships? Uh, is that when professionally brilliantly like, started to come about? Was like during that time period. Th- during that time period. Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely started professionally brilliant during the pandemic. Um, also, for those that do not know, I was also you know pregnant with my first child, so um, I was entering the 
you know, motherhood, parenthood, yes. uh, life, which I, I realized I spent a lot of time talking to a baby and not adults. So <laughs> I'm like, I have to find a way to get an outlet to, you know, speak to people and talk to people. And one cool thing that we did at my job while we were all working remotely, we would come together, you know, once a month for every few weeks to kind of just meet with one coworker. So we'll just talk about anything besides work, just to kind of learn, you know, more about them, uh, which really built our uh, relationships, you know, during the pandemic, because when I started my job, uh, maybe two, three months later, we all went remote. So it was yeah. really hard to, you know, connect with people during that. But I think my job was very intentional in making sure we're going to still make these connections. We're going to still have these social events, um, no matter if we're remote or not. So that was just a uh, very important. So it was a lot of transition during that time, but I still kind of was very intentional about still reaching out to folks and um, making connections there. We can have a, a whole separate conversation about uh, networking as as a parent and leading with pictures of your kids and, yes. and all of that as well, uh, which is always fun to do. But I'm interested, you know, as we're sort of entering this next stage of whatever the reality of society is, whatever demic we want to call it, right? But the reintegration of in-person while there's still the balance of those who uh, either can't uh, join in-person for uh, health reasons or fiscal reasons or other reasons. As our networking guru, uh, as the super superhero of networking we have here, if you were going to give advice to an organization that's thinking about how to still create meaningful community and connections, but operating in this environment, right, where some are in person and some are not, uh, what do you think organizations should do to, to help make networking a little bit easier for their members? Um, I really think it's important just to have options. Um, you know, connection is not a one size fit all thing just because you have have members take a survey and the majority of say they want to meet in person does not mean everybody want to do that. Um, so it's just important to, you know, even if it's like little micro connections that you can make, hey, we are on a discussion board, let's just all get together and do something, or like a micro volunteer opportunity, hey, we have this awards, uh, we're looking for a committee to put together to, you know, judge these awards. Um, I think it's very important to do that. And also, and, you know, I've always I've always been kind of like a young professional, you know, cheerleader. Yeah. Uh, really, you know, ask your young professionals, you know, for some ideas around that. Um, what's very interesting coming out of the pandemic is seeing this shift in leadership. So we're seeing that young professionals are, you know, sitting in the C-suite now. They're sitting oh. on boards. Um, they're making decisions. And I really love to see that. Um, it's very exciting, um, and that's always what my work has been around is just making sure that we are our voices are being amplified, and you know we're highlighting our experience. So, ask your young professionals is my advice. <laughs> I love I love the uh, the invitation mindset to that. Right, it's don't don't make differentiated voices that perhaps weren't previously present have to mm -hmm. fight to get in, but like think intentionally like whose voice would we be better because of? And like ask your young professionals like invite right? Their perspective. I love that. Absolutely. Uh, as you think about what's next uh, in the association landscape, if those that want, that are young professionals, right? As you think about the advice you give, what do you think are primary leader, places of leadership skill development that those that want to be leaders someday, that, that want to be rock stars someday? What are some key leadership skills that should be developed for the future? 
Um, you have to be adaptable. Things are changing rapidly. So it's always important to make sure that you're reading, you're staying ahead of the trends, you're learning about what's next. Um, you're always staying educated um, and th- being authentic. Um, a lot of times, you know, as, as and I, I think this just coming up in my career, I always thought I had to be a certain type of way to be a leader. Um, and sometimes that made me, you know, not shine my light the brightest or speak up when I had great ideas. But yeah. it's really important to show up yourself, show up who you are, like do not change. You are brilliant. And you got to know that deep down inside. So I, I think those are the most important things kind of I would give advice to professionals coming up. Well, I, I would agree with you. You are, I think you are brilliant. I think you are inspirational. I'm wondering, you know, you talked about how just a moment ago that there was some transition that had to happen between being able to be your authentic self. Was that, was there a, like an incident or like a moment that you realized that was that just something you developed over time? Like, how did you become more comfortable in your own self and your own voice to be able to utilize that uh, for authenticity? Um, to be honest with you, representation matters. Um, early in my career, I didn't see a lot of um, professionals that look like me, especially, you know, in the C-suite. Um, and as I continue to go through my career and the years and years have gone by, I see more of that, um, which, you know, makes me see what's possible. Okay, I could be there too. Um, so I just think it's very important for diversity, equity, inclusion to always kind of be at the forefront of the strategy that associations are pushing forward um, and not always look at the same places for talent, but really step outside of that um, and look different places. So I'll give you an example. So with my association right now, um, for those that don't know, uh, we represent the tech sector. So we're a trade association. We represent all of the big tech companies. So recently we did an initiative with Morehouse College, which is an HBCU in Atlanta. Um, And the challenge was that, you know, the tech industry, the talent pipeline is not very diverse. So it was, you know, our thing, we're going to change that. So we've got all our members together to actually create curriculum for Morehouse um, Mm -hmm. that will help them build skills, knowledge, and then also give them jobs in the future so we can really diversify our industry. And I think like this issue comes up through all industries, Um, And typically a lot of, you know, organizations, companies or whatnot may not necessarily look at HBCUs for talent. They might go to the bigger schools. Um, And I'm an HBCU grad. So that type of stuff is very um, important to me. And I I just really think that folks should kind of step out and look to see who's around for talent. Yeah, I love the proactive and the demands intention. Uh, I love that. So let's talk about far in the future. I know our, our time's just about over. We're talking to Natasha decades in the future. What's the legacy you hope that all your efforts leave behind? What's the impact you want to make? I want folks to be able to live in purpose, on purpose, mm-hmm. and by doing that, becoming professionally brilliant. So just knowing your value, being able to use your voice to create change and, you know, just reaching your full potential. So that's what I will leave as my legacy. Love that. Well, first, thank you for being with us. Uh, This has been 
exactly the conversation I was hoping for. And I hope everyone listening in and tuning in, uh, if you're not following uh, or connected to Natasha, she has amazing things to say uh, that are inspirational, a great place of learning uh, and mentorship, uh, no matter what your age is. Thanks, Natasha, for being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone who's listening in. Thanks to Amy, who's been helping with all the chat and good conversation going on. And thanks to all of you uh, walking the journey of celebrating our rock stars together and looking forward to our next conversation. Until then, Association Rock. Mm-hmm.